This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 228 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Ransomware threat actors continue to make their way into systems of organizations big and small all over the world, leading to business interruptions, financial loss, and reputational damage. Even more troubling are recent reports attributing loss of life to ransomware attacks on medical facilities. Our guest this week is Recorded Future Threat Intelligence Analyst Dmitry Smilianitz. He brings his experience and unique insights to the conversation with the latest tactics, techniques, and procedures he and his colleagues are tracking from ransomware operators. Stay with us. So I really enjoy to deliver high-end intelligence to our clientele. I I like to uh, deliver actionable intelligence and timely intelligence. They can use it to mitigate imminent attacks, such as ransomware attacks. So alerting, of course, trying to uh, see and discover new threats for our clients, for for the country, of course. And um, that's my primary job. Then reporting, of course and trying to keep up with the several underground projects that I'm uh, currently managing. Well, let's dig into some of the the recent ransomware strains that you all have been covering here. Uh, What are some of the top ones that have uh, made it onto your radar? So we see a little bit change in September 2021. We see that uh, Lockbit is really uh, performing, overperforming themselves and other groups uh, about like 80 public victims, and by public, I mean the victims that were published um, as a part of name and shame uh, scheme uh, on the ransomware extortionist blogs. So there are victims who paid in uh, private, and uh, we don't see that, um, sometimes we don't have visibility into such uh, companies. But roughly, uh, more than 80 companies worldwide were attacked by Logbit, and that's 32% of overall 200-something attacks that happened in September. Well, Conti wow. is the second largest group, which is, uh, we believe, operated out of Russia um, and have about 100, 120 members. So it's a large group, but uh, sometimes they deliver a lot. Sometimes they have, uh, as this time, um, um, about 40 public victims, but maybe they were lucky with the ones we don't know about, and there are plenty of those. Now, what is your sense in terms of uh, the percentages of, of known victims versus what could be going on behind the scenes? Do you suspect that there may be many more victims who we never hear about? Absolutely. There are many more, but uh, I estimate like 30% more or maybe half more. So it's not like it's double the number. It's, um, I think in one of my interviews, uh, one of the threat actors uh, claimed that about 30% of the victims pay. So roughly, I would uh, estimate, I would just add 50% to the number we have, and that would be um, the number closer to the truth. But exact number, nobody knows exact number, just because sometimes companies try to keep it under the blanket without disclosing the breach and uh, paying in private. That definitely damages our visibility. And what are the methods that you all are able to use in terms of visibility? Are, are, you, are you tracking cryptocurrency payments? I mean, what sort of things uh, do you have at your disposal? Well, one of the techniques that we kind of hi- highlighted uh, last week 
was uh, uh, visibility into ongoing negotiations. So when negotiations are happening between the victim and the ransomware group, there are legal ways to kind of observe these negotiations. I'm not saying entering there or acting on behalf of the victim without the victim permission. That's unethical and unacceptable. But I'm saying absorb, observing these chats is, is giving us huge visibility in what's really going on. So not just black matter, there are plenty of other ransomware groups that we are watching. Also, uh, engagement, direct engagement with threat actors. We are kind of getting into those groups and yet the intelligence from the very inside. And I'm really proud of this. Can we dig in some with, with the Black Matter group? I mean, what are some of the details that people should know about them? Well, Black Matter really is not performing as expected. Uh, we and other researchers confirmed their ties to the now defunct dark side, which really uh, was uh, on a media radar in May and June to 2021. So they suddenly shut down after the meeting between presidents and then they rebranded, they reappeared. But I don't see them as active as other groups. They have like um, up to 20, 25 known victims so far this year. And um, there are plenty that weren't pu publicized. And how about this group, uh, New Coop? What's uh, the story there? Every month, there is a new rebranding. Every month, there is a new leak site that presents not just ransomware family or malware variant to, um, to their clients, but just platform to leak the data and monetize it. So uh, that's one of, the, of them, and uh, we're definitely paying attention to it. I mean, in terms of overall trends of what you're tracking, I mean, first of all, is it is it fair to say that the the ransomware attacks continue to increase? Absolutely. And it, it's increasing exponentially. And unfortunately, uh, like last month, one of the ransomware affiliates, he leaked manuals. They were kind of unknown techniques to the professionals, but uh, thousands and thousands of on. Uh, Criminals who are just starting, for them, it's like a Bible. It's like a fraud Bible, pen test Bible manual that they are going to use. Uh, so we expect the increase of the attacks to happen more and more efficiently and going through the roof. You know, from the other side of that, though, are, are people more successful? The, the folks who found themselves falling victim to these attacks are they more successful at remediating them? Are people, do they have better backups and things like that than they used to? Well, people see, uh, people started implementing mitigations and our clients benefit from this directly because our mitigation advisory is very efficient to combat uh, these threats. Uh, of course, uh, um, ransomware uh, threat actors, they uh, change their TTPs and try to adjust. Uh, so that's the constant game of cat and mouse that we play. Where do you suppose we're headed then? I mean, is is the sophistication of these threat actors increasing, or are they pretty much using the same sorts of tools that we've seen from them for some time now? Well, we see that the most sophisticated actors are training new generation. That's the biggest concern, so we'll see more and more attacks. The, uh, the hackers in the past become managers and mentors for the new generation. And that's certainly a big concern. Where do you suppose we could take action to try to slow these things down? I mean, you know, we saw the 
the uh, communications from the Biden administration to President Putin, just trying to turn the diplomatic dials, if you will. Um, do you suppose there's any hope on that side of things? So uh, yesterday we found out that there is another victim uh, person who died because of a uh, ransomware attack in Alabama in the hospital. Um, yeah. I think enough is enough and there must be an action from, from our politics. I think Mr. Biden has to uh, demand some actions on that side. So if we can prove that this group are actually in Russia and they are operating from um, one of the cities in Moscow, for example, or St. Petersburg, and we show this evidence to um, Russian counterparties or partners in law enforcement, we hope they will react and stop this because that's a line. I mean, they crossed it multiple times attacking critical infrastructure, but when person dies because of the ransomware attack and that person hasn't even lived, it was a baby, newborn. So enough is enough. Yeah, it's really a, a tragic, uh, heartbreaking story there. And, and I think it indicates that we continue, we continue to see this escalation as they uh, attack, as you say, critical infrastructure. I suppose it's inevitable that these sorts of things will happen. Absolutely, they are happening behind the scenes, like a couple of weeks ago, agriculture company. Uh, so it doesn't really attract too much attention because it's kind of small. But on a larger scale, we can see how uh, um, attack against one supplier can affect the whole chain. And for example, just imagine hungry cows that don't produce milk and there is no more milk in a grocery store. So something like this is possible. What about the part that cryptocurrency plays in all of this? I mean, there's been discussion that if we were able to put more restrictions on crypto, then perhaps that would take away the way that these folks get paid. Uh, that's correct. Uh, I'm not advising to fight Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is the future and it's in, 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 inevitable. But uh, controlling and um, identifying the wallets, identifying the people behind these wallets is Definitely a requirement for law enforcement and the industry in whole, because cryptocurrency kind of enabling threat actors to be more brave in accepting the payments. For example, if they had to deal with cash, it would be like a physical world and they would be traced easily. Um, so yes, definitely new laws and more and more strict rules. You know, as you continue your work tracing the folks who do this, do you get any sort of sense for the individuals themselves, I mean, the, the types of personalities, the people who are doing this sort of thing? It's a great question. And that's one of the reasons I like to do interviews with threat actors, because I want to bring attention that it's not just malware, it's not the code, it's people behind the code. And knowing these people, it's kind of gives us advantage to combat them, to fight them. And what sort of insights have you gotten? I mean, first of all, what, when you talk to them, are they, are, do they tend to brag about their work? Are, are they humble or is there a broad spectrum that you encounter? Well, I've seen both. I've seen people bragging about access to the nuclear plants and stuff. Of course, we have to understand they're criminals and what they do, they lie. They lie all the time and we have to be very careful taking their word, words as granted. So, but of course, I've seen some some humble ones that didn't want to really brag about their past, but these are the very interesting ones. Has there been a shift towards more professionalism over time? Well, if you look at the uh, top tier ransomware gangs such as Conti and the way they're 
whole Argentine criminal enterprises structure, it, it's managed as business. The hiring process, the uh, administration process, the money laundry reports, like it's a real world business, but unfortunately a criminal one. But they are becoming more professional. They are enterprises now, not just a single wolves or a single criminals. And so what are your recommendations then? I mean, you're, you're in this every day. What do you say to, you know, your customers, the folks that you interact with, um, the best ways to protect themselves against this sort of thing? So actionable threat intelligence, and to get this, they have to be our clients. Uh, they have to, they, uh, our clients benefit daily from this kind of intelligence. So definitely being a record of future client uh, helps a lot. <laughs> Any other uh, suggestions? Well, in one of the previous uh, uh, podcasts, I, I said kind of praying helps, and I still believe in that. <laughs> but look, some people criticized me, so I didn't want to say it. But again, yes, praying helps. Unfortunately, <laughs> the threat actors are so sophisticated. They have so much money. So one of the examples of uh, threat actor on exploit forum advertising buying zero day. So zero day allows unauthorized access to your system without like being noticed. So he is willing to pay you up to $3 million. Just imagine, that's a bug bounty. He's a hunter, he's looking for zero days. He's advertising more than Microsoft does. So of course, mm. people will go to him and pay. So threat actors have those kind of tools and there is no, absolutely no protection against such tools. Like we've seen in the past, like more uh, long case when people um, attacked null and... Uh, billionaires through the WhatsApp messenger. He was aware because they use zero day, right? So that kind of attacks, there is no absolutely solution against them. So brain helps. Are the defenders essentially outgunned here? I mean, as you say, they, the attackers have these resources at their disposal, not the least of which are financial. Is it a fair fight? Absolutely not. And I've, I've been crying about this we can't go offensive. We are not allowed to hack the hackers. It's illegal. So we only can pretend that we're trying to and absolutely cannot really go full into this fight. So hopefully some uh, three-letter agencies can do this, but unfortunately not the researchers in our company. Are there any things about ransomware in general that you think don't get the attention they deserve? Any things that uh, you wish the general public knew more about? Well, I think it's getting more and more coverage. Uh, such accidents like with a baby in a hospital are terrifying. And definitely, I expect that our politics will be more strict and more brave in their actions against ransomware. Our thanks to Recorded Futures' Dmitry Smilianitz for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Music.